Welcome to Insights. This is Paul Ellis, Managing Director of Ellis Wealth Management, where we encourage you to invest in what you love. Ellis Wealth Management is an independent financial services firm focused on planning, advice, coaching, and investment management. We are dedicated to the families we serve, and we encourage you to invest in what you love. Within Insights, we look at ways to make our world richer through focusing on sharing, and developing human capital. Well, all right. What a great, great day it is in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Summertime in the Pacific Northwest is absolutely gorgeous. And I trust that you're having a wonderful summer wherever you are as well. It's with great pleasure that I have the opportunity to introduce colleagues James Bergeron and Brian Beret at Nuveen Investments. And we're going to have a podcast series over the next few months that's going to focus on sharing important family wealth management information. And it's designed to help you and your family become stronger and more independent. Uh, It's been said, it's not how much money you make, it's how much money you keep. Jim is an attorney and an advisor, education consultant in the Global Learning and Development Group at Nuveen. Uh, He's a graduate of Osberg University in Minneapolis. He has degrees in economics and political science. And later he received his law degree from Vanderbilt University in Tennessee. He currently serves as the North Regional Council for the American Cancer Society. And Brian is an internal advisor consultant with Nuveen, and he's a graduate of Miami University. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks, Paula, and this is Jim. I'm happy to be a part of this and happy to have this conversation. This is something that that certainly I've got some passion around. It's been a big part of my career, both from inception, just coming out of law school, and through the course of now what... uh, sometimes I'm lax to admit, is a couple of decades worth of working with families and helping them to think about this notion of wealth and legacy, how those items are intertwined. So I'm happy to join you today. And as you indicate, it's summer and we're feeling really good about that here in, uh, in Minneapolis where I reside. <laughs> well, listen, a lot of people have questions, I'm, I'm sure, but in order to lay the table correctly, if we're going to talk about wealth management, we're going to talk about you know family assets and providing a legacy. I, I think it probably makes sense to start with a good working definition of, of what is wealth. From my perspective, Paul, you know, I, I think about wealth maybe a little bit differently. I think the most common definition of wealth is the accumulation of economic resources, usually aligned towards certain goals. And in the advisory world, we often work with clients to help build, for instance, those portfolios and those economic resources towards certain goals that they might have. Might be retirement, for instance, or it might be a purchase of some type, might be educational for family members. 
but quite often wealth is is really defined in a bit of a limited fashion around those economic resources. Net worth may be the most common depiction of what wealth is, but I think that's that's a bit limiting. I Mm -hmm. think of wealth as more than just the economic resources. Wealth includes, for instance, many of those intangible items. might be digital, those things that we have in the digital domain, Mm -hmm. and it might include items around values, character traits values that we hold dear, those are all a part of wealth and how we would define wealth and really needs to work its way into this process of defining not only the wealth and its purpose, but then how we start to intertwine that notion with what legacy might mean. Mm. And think about wealth and those concepts. You and I have had that conversation in the past, Paul, as well. And I know you think about it somewhat similarly. Well, absolutely. It's also cultural. So, you know, besides assets or net worth, which could be broken down into liquid or illiquid assets, there's this human capital component that often does get overlooked when we talk about wealth. And if we're going to pass on that wealth, that human capital component is also something that we want to be able to pass on to our heirs. Correct? Really good point. And from, again, our standpoint, when we delve a little bit further into that notion of wealth, there are a couple of components to it. And it's certainly the economic pieces of it. But think about it this way. We are what we have been given in life. And when we're young, we start out with things that were given by parents or family members correctly, those caregivers. And that might be everything from just the day-to-day care and nurturing, but also how we start to develop an outlook a perception on the world. So we're what we've been given. We're also what we have created during our lifetime. Mm. And ultimately, we're what we pass on. Those are all components of wealth. And to your point, certainly culture is a big piece of that. And how we then in turn wrap that into a formula that not only includes meeting maybe some of those goals that that you have within your family and your family unit, but also starting to think about how you can develop a methodology, an approach for delivering this wealth and in turn legacy to those next generations. But those three components to me, what we've been given, what we've created, and what we're going to pass on all wrap around that notion of wealth and start to lead us into this discussion around what is legacy. That's a really, really good point. When we, when you mention what we've been given, can you give us some examples of that? Yeah, I think when when we're starting off in life, and when we're young, you know, for the most part, we're we're given certain things that are just requirements: food, shelter, care, all of those things are requirements directly. But we're also given an outlook, a perception on how to start to navigate life. And it might be, for instance, at early ages, the development of a sense of what what money might mean and how to begin thinking about it. How did you learn about money? One of the questions that I'll pose to individuals, and for those listening, you might want to think about this. How did you learn about money when you were young? And was that affected? Is that something that you would emulate with future generations, children, grandchildren? 
if it wasn't necessarily effective, and for many of us, we learned some rather difficult uh, information and things about money the hard way. And from that standpoint, those are things that we in turn can start to build into what we create and pass on to the next generation, a notion of, of what money is, and how to think about it, and how to be effective in the use of it. But what we're given starts at really young ages, and it, it does transcend all of life stages. But as you enter into those middle years of life, it's where you start to create more from what you've been given to what you're now building, your own family legacy, your own family values. And those pieces then again start to work their way into the dynamics of passing on a legacy directly. Does that answer your question, Paul? It does. It, it also points out that it's important to take inventory in regards to what you were given. And as you stated, was it effective? There's a, uh, a great book called Secrets of a CEO Coach by D.A. Benton. And in that book, she points out, we not only carry our parents' DNA, but many times we carry their beliefs as well. It is important to honor the beliefs, but it's also important to take inventory to see, like you said, was that effective? Where were their beliefs uh, fashioned? So they may have a view about money based off of their experience or the experience of their parents, but it may not necessarily work well for you. So taking that inventory, I think, is really important, and that's a, that's a good lesson for all of us to think about that. What were we given? What was the definition, and was it effective? Yeah, I think about, from our standpoint, again, the, the idea that all of these pieces that build this notion of wealth, what we've been given, what we've created, what we're going to pass on to those future generations, are born out of an evolving world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, you and I've had this conversation, but I'm guessing a lot of those that are listening today would also agree with the fact that today's children face more difficult decisions and at earlier ages than their parents ever did. And as a result, those family members that are maybe more mature, maybe in that middle stage or maybe entering into later stages of life, we've faced a life course that provides us an opportunity to equip younger generations with not only a glimpse of how to think about the challenges that life brings us, but also to start to provide some of the tools. And that's part of what we'll talk about in this series, is implementing tools that will help the family to take not only this inventory of wealth that you described, Paul, but to start to build that into a plan that can be utilized with family members to help provide those tools to further equip our younger family members with ways of dealing with those challenges that will come up during life that many of us have had the chance to face and hopefully overcome. Excellent. That's excellent. So how does one navigate in the middle years if they believe that the definitions of wealth that they were working with need to be amended or corrected. And additionally, 
What are some thoughts and insights that you have for those that are looking to make those changes and progressions? Yeah, I think from our standpoint, again, we'll talk even a little bit more about this in one of our later sessions. We start to delve into the generation of your family's mission or value statement. But as you indicate, you know, we've started down this road, but we've really focused more on some of the economic pieces. One of the ways of starting to evolve that definition is to start to think about, for instance, what are the things that are most important about your family? What are each family member's most important values? Describe, for instance, the important qualities and characteristics that members of your family do and or should possess. And that'll give you a sense for how to start to wrap in this notion of culture and ethics and value into that definition of wealth. And once we do that, it starts to generate something that I refer to as our family's value compass Mm -hmm. or GPS unit. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk more about that in one of our, our next sessions. But developing that compass is something that is critical as you move into identifying legacy. And it's not something that we would suggest you wait until later in life. During those middle years, maybe those career-based years, probably the best time to start generating the seeds of what that value is and then start to align the activities that you can use within your family against those values, against those traits that you've identified are important components of who you want to be as a family. Would you say that today, those middle years of life, that if if you were breaking it into tranches of early years, middle years, and then later years, would you say that that middle year segment has expanded? In other words, that people are working longer and have more time to make those changes? Yeah, definitely. You know, from, I think, many individuals' perspective, this notion of a career that that ends in retirement has really started to fade. And what we see now more are transitions. And it might be that you spend a good chunk of those middle years during a lifetime devoted to a particular career or career path. But we quite often see individuals at some point, rather than just choosing to retire, maybe start to change that focus, transition to whatever that next stage might be. And it might be something related to that career, might be something completely different. Might have been, for instance, a career in the for-profit world, working directly as an executive or within a business structure, maybe even owning a business. And that transition might be working more directly in that nonprofit sector, maybe helping not only those areas that you have passion around, but helping others to think about how they can actualize those passions. But that, that middle stage of life certainly has expanded. And now it doesn't really stop at retirement. It just transitions to whatever that next stage might be. Mm. And that's good. That That's good. That allows people the understanding that they may have more time. You know, uh, they may not have to have figured things out already. 
really good point, Paul. And I think part of what, what we would want to stress here is that there, there is this ongoing evolution that's the things that, that we start to think about uh, and start to bring into action are going to evolve over time. We talk about, for instance, legacy and wealth interchangeably. But my perspective is that legacy requires both thought and action. And those thoughts and actions are going to evolve over time. And so as a result, it's not just the domain of estate planning, but it's about life and living. For instance, within our own family, one of the things that we value tremendously is the fight against cancer, or at least how we address cancer research and palliative care. We feel like our family has been touched by cancer more than our fair share. And so as a result, we've built a structure that identifies that value as part of our overall family value or mission statement. And as a result, we then look for activities and opportunities to address that passion, whether it might be in volunteering time as it relates to cancer and cancer research and care, it might be donating certain things, but it might be utilizing certain tools that we in the advisor community can bring to bear for clients that help their families to become involved as a family unit in those areas that they're passionate about. Again, thought and action. It's not just identifying what's important and doing that inventory, but the next step is starting to take action against those items. And part of that action includes maybe setting the basic framework for how wealth and legacy are not only defined, but then in turn carried out through planning documents. But it's also looking for other activities that a family can employ to start to, again, actualize those common values, to bring the family together as a family unit. Part of what we talk about with families directly is the idea that that wealth really does include the value of your family as a family unit. Recognizing that, caring for it, and nurturing it is part of what we would consider to be both wealth and legacy intertwined. Absolutely. So for, for families between now and our next discussion, they can have some action items. One is to take a look at what they are given or what they perceive that they were given, their outlook and their perception. Was it effective? And then really, what are the most important values that they have and what are their thoughts? And then what are some beginning action steps that they might want to think about? Things that, that I think might work here, Paul, again, is part of this ongoing conversation. You mentioned one of those, and I, I firmly believe in part of your opportunity in listening to this discussion today is, is to take a step back and maybe think about between now and the next session that we do, how you would define who you are as a family, what makes you who you are as a family. What are the important aspects of that, whether it be faith, ethics, core values? Let's think about that and maybe jot just a couple of notes down. And those notes will serve you well as we start to get into the next components of it. And as I indicated, I think there are some things that you also might want to consider before our next session. In that next session, we're going to talk about what I consider to be the four critical corners 
to an overall estate or legacy plan. Those corners being, for instance, having an updated will and or trust. We'll talk a bit about the differences between those items and how they might work. The second corner being a power of attorney for financial purposes. Offering, for instance, the ability for someone to make financial decisions on your behalf should you not be able to communicate them yourself. Same thing from a medical standpoint, a power of attorney for medical purposes. That would be the third corner. And the fourth corner of these critical documents to have in place, something that we'll refer to as a living will. And really, at the end of the day, it's a memorialization of those wishes that you want to have carried out if you are in that, that potentially disastrous position of not being able to recover. You're not at a point in which there's any other exit strategy other than passing. And so as a result, rather than leaving some difficult decisions for others to make, we can start to memorialize what would you want to have done on your behalf if you are in certain states. And really, this is a document that helps your family members. But those four corner documents we'll delve into a little bit more deeply in our next session, but they are critical to an effective overall wealth transition plan. You might call it an estate plan. And embedded in those documents are these core components that we talked about today. The idea of wealth, the idea that legacy is more than just the transfer of money or property. It has to include some of those values, those ethics that you yourself have defined as important. And then actualizing them in the document, that's a part of an effective estate plan. And the role of your advisors is as an advice orchestrator, overseeing that overall wealth plan and starting to coordinate the efforts on your part, as well as with other specialists, might be drafting attorneys of the like. But that's the role of the advisor, is to play that part of an orchestrator in bringing to bear a lot of what might be potential related with someone's different speciality. Well, that's, that's terrific. And the those values... And having that understanding will help as we move forward with our next conversation. So, Jim, as part of Nuveen, is there anything that uh, that you'd like to share? Yeah, Paul, you know, there's something that, that we probably should state here, and that the material here is not intended to be a recommendation or investment advice. It doesn't constitute a solicitation to buy, sell, or hold a security or an investment strategy. And it's not provided in a fiduciary capacity. The information provided does not take into account the specific objectives or circumstances of any particular investor or suggest any specific course of action. Investment decisions should be made based upon an investor's objectives and circumstances and in consultation with his or her advisors. The views and opinions expressed are for informational and educational purposes only as of the date of this production and may change without notice at any time based upon numerous factors, such as market or other conditions, legal and regulatory developments, and additional risks and uncertainties that may come up over time. Nuveen provides investment advisory solutions 
through its investment specialist, Nuveen Securities, LLC. They're a member of FINRA and SIPC. Happy to be a part of today's conversation, Paul, and we're really excited to be partnering with you in this going forward. Well, thank you very much. Well, what an amazing time we've had today and lots to think about. And we look forward to speaking with you again. And in the meantime, as we move forward with our family wealth series, let me encourage everyone to invest in what you love.